All right. I'm going to go ahead and read this. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, feel free to interject if I say your name, whatever. Just be like, oh, hey. You know, you know how podcasts work. Hello. Welcome back. This is an aviation history podcast, which looks at aviation events like air incidents, accidents, mishaps, and sometimes just the weird and wacky world that is aviation. I'm Shannon Baker. I'm your host. I'm the creator of this podcast. If you want to know about my qualifications, you'll have to listen to episode zero. You can learn all about me there. If you want to see pictures of the events and the airplanes, etc., and just generally enhance your experience, you should follow me on Instagram and Twitter, both at AluminumTube. This podcast has adult language and sometimes contains graphic descriptions of accidents and incidents, often resulting in death. If you're scared to fly, proceed with caution. It's just a horrible situation. Pull up. No, the plane is about to crash. Wind shear. You're looking a little anxious, Kent. Yeah. <laughs> Increase climb. Only if you really need me to. Threw his clothes off, had an accident, got his tree, and went night-night. 50, 40. Oh, so like some dumb bro shit. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. 30, 20. I'm sorry. I'm a little overwhelmed by what you just said. 10. Hence being poked in the rear uh, as a man in the middle of the aisle. Climb now. Given the context that you've given me, this does not sound like a good plan. Clear of conflict. So my co-host today is a new friend of mine, Erin O'Connor. She is not an aviation expert. That is correct. You listen to episode zero, so I always have a co-host. So your role is to ask questions that, that are going to help the listeners like better understand what went on. Totally. So if you understand it, somebody without an aviation background will understand it. You got it. Okay. I'm super happy to have you on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to hear all about aviation. So Erin, start by telling us a little bit about yourself. What do you want to know? <laughs> I mean, so what do you do? Where are you from? Stuff like that. Just okay. give me a quick overview. Gotcha. Okay. Born and bred in New York. And we're here in Brooklyn today. Yeah, so. we are. And I live in Queens, which is not really as cool as Brooklyn, but it might be better in some ways. So I uh, grew up on Long Island, lived all along the uh, northern route of New York and Vermont, and then discovered hair and makeup about 10 years ago and been rocking in that industry ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. I took a long break from this podcast, and I just wanted to kind of address that a little Go bit. Go for it, yeah. So in the beginning of, uh, at the very end of March, I recorded an episode, um, and I think that was around the 25th of March or so, and then, you know, and COVID had happened by then. Mm-hmm. And so the frustrating thing about that was I used this podcast to be social and to create, and I got news pretty quickly that I was going to be furloughed from from my airline job. And so... You know, beyond not being able to go out and be social, that kind of news just crushes your creativity. And so I just kind of had to, I felt like I had to take some time off and recenter. Absolutely. So I've gotten a new job and I am going to start flying uh, as a captain on a 767. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and it'll be fun. But again, you know, that certainty helps me be creative again. Of course, right. totally. So I just kind of wanted to address that. It wasn't like a big deal, but I just wanted to say. And also, this uh, episode will be the first episode in a soft relaunch. Gotcha. I'm going to just edit, clean up, relaunch the stuff. Yeah, so. refresh, 2.0. Right, exactly. So you have never listened to this podcast, have no, you? No, I have not. <laughs> you did listen to episode zero. I did. So here's how we do it. Okay. We start with the date. All right. I tell you a little bit about the airplane. Cool. Right? About the company, then we talk about the crew, then we talk about the event. Okay. And that's pretty much it. And then we talk about what changed since then, and we talk about how things are now. 
Got it. So how comfortable are you with airplanes? I mean, as comfortable as you can be as any non-aviation person. I yeah. fly somewhat regularly. I enjoy a good trip, and that's about it. And you've, tra- you've traveled a bit? Yeah. So you kind of understand the passenger perspective of these things. It's the only perspective I have. Sure, sure. But, uh, you know, if you hadn't flown on airplanes... Oh, yeah, it, it would, would be, be totally different. It Absolutely. would be harder for me to, like, to describe it, right? Gotcha. So I just just quick background. We are talking about something that happened almost exactly 10 years ago. Okay. August 25th, 2010. Wow. Yes. Talk about relevancy. Right, relevant, but also pretty modern. A lot of the a lot of the episodes that I do, they vary in range from like the 50s in my flight attendant history. We went all, I went all the way back to the 20s. Oh, I love so, that. you know, you don't think about aviation history happening 10 years ago, but the truth is it's happening now. Right. So, we have to look at everything. Yeah. The most pertinent one, I think, was from just over a year and a half ago. No way. Yeah. To, uh, February, February 2019. So that was like as far as a like year and a half. Modernization and updating and... Okay. I think we would have flushed it out by now. Oh, you would think. Well, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> All right. So the airplane. Of course, you know, to my listeners, you can find the pictures on Instagram um, at Aluminum Tube. I don't normally post the pictures on Twitter, but sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. This airplane is a really interesting airplane. And you've never been on one, and neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's from back when the Czech Republic was Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia was known for producing a lot of aircraft. There are a couple aircraft manufacturers in Czechoslovakia. This one was produced by a company called Let, L-E-T, and the aircraft is called the Let L410 Turbo Let. I mean, sure, creative. Sure. Um, Turbo it, anything sounds official. <laughs> it was originally designed in 1969 for Aeroflot. Do you know who Aeroflot is? No idea. So Aeroflot is the is the flag carrier, the official carrier of Russia. So it's oh. like the state. The, it's not state owned, but it's like the state official carrier. Okay. Like currently. Um. Yes. Okay. And and it always has been actually. This plane was designed in 1969 for that company to replace a plane that was designed like 30 years before that. So you can imagine that like that one was designed in the like late 30s. Yeah. And there now it's almost 1970. Our iPhones don't even last six months, so yeah, we need some updates. Right. So it was like 30 years old. So it's almost 1970. So they're like, let's replace this right. old thing. Go figure. So they go ahead and the the Russians hire the Czechoslovakians to replace it. And the Czechoslovakians come up with the L410 Turbolet. This airplane was designed to fill the small commuter cabin market segment. This airplane had like 20 passenger seats. So who commutes by plane? You know, there's a lot of um, smaller flights. Like if you wanted to fly from here, let's say to Quebec. Okay. It's not very far, right? Mm -hmm. Up until maybe five years ago, you could do that on a turboprop. It may be a bigger turboprop, but it was going to be a turboprop. Gotcha. And a turboprop just means that it is a jet engine that drives a propeller. I was just going to say, I was like, what is the difference between a turbo and a jet? Right. So a turboprop has a propeller. It's like a small propeller plane. Okay. So I'm going to show you a picture of the airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see. Here's a picture. Oh, now that's cool. I wish that I I might take more commuter planes if we had cool props. I feel like I'm in the movie Rocketeer and I'm about to hang on the top of it. This airplane had a range of like... Think the maximum range was from like New York to Detroit. That's okay. essentially like the maximum range. And that trip, New York, Detroit on one of these would take like three and a half ish, maybe three hours. Okay. So quite a long time. Like you may fly from here to Buffalo and it would take 45 minutes. 
but it's better than driving six hours. Exactly. And that's kind of the point is that they were cheap to operate. You had low passenger loads. Mm -hmm. Not that many people want to go. And not that many much baggage either, I would say. Right. And not that many people and not that much baggage. So you don't have that many people that want to go from here to Jamestown. Okay. But maybe a handful do three days a week or they do it five days a week. They go back and forth. Jet setting lifestyle. So that's kind of like the, that's kind of what I mean by like being a commute, you know, airplane. Yeah, that makes more sense. Kind of like a bus. Yeah, you know. but fancier in right, the a, air. Right, a bus in the airplane world. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you about it. It's uh, an unpressurized. It's basically ambient outside air. So when you're flying at 8,000 feet, the cabin is at 8,000 feet. <sighs> they don't fly that high though. So maybe around 10,000 feet would be like the highest they would fly. Ear popping is all that comes to mind. Yeah, totally. Ear popping. <laughs> also, it's a little harder to breathe when you get up there. I it, think. Unpressurized cabins are not the most comfortable <laughs> things in the world. <laughs> it sounds like a bus more and more. Uh, it has two propellers. We said that, right? Mm-hmm. And they're driven by jet engines. Right. 21 people on board, 21 seats. It has a very small baggage area in the back of the airplane. It was designed for short trips, no more than 500 miles. Like we said, basically New York to Detroit. That trip would take about three hours. So it wasn't fast, but Mm -hmm. it got the job done. But here's the thing. This is why it was designed the way it was. In the Eastern Bloc of the Soviet Union, you had very extreme conditions. Okay, you have some of the hottest deserts in the world in the Stan countries. In the Czech Republic. No, no, in the like in Kazakhstan and um, and getting down to like, you know, in the in the the Eastern Bloc, like in the Soviet Union. So you have all of these like really hot desert places, but you also have Siberia. Right. Right. So they... Cold as hell. Right. So they had to design the airplanes. They had to design the airplanes to like do all of those things, to be in all those environments. So it's more about reliability than it is about creature comfort. Like they wanted to design an airplane that could take off and land on short runways, unpaved runways, that could land on like Arctic snow. Right. Or could land on like sand. I mean extreme, like 125 Fahrenheit to like minus 60 Fahrenheit. Oof. Plus 50C to like minus 50C. Yeah, That's... she's durable, but she's not cute. Right, exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> they designed it well. It was very popular. By 2016, they sold over 1,200 L410s in a variety of variants. And in uh, 2020, over 350 of the original versions are still in service in more than 50 countries. A lot of the older models are used for skydiving and cargo. This is kind of what it reminds me of. I did go skydiving, but it's like literally flying in a tin can up to about eight thousand feet or and, however right, many eight, feet, ten, twelve thousand feet, and jumping out. But yeah, it's like it's like a it's like aluminum shaking against it. So I don't see a lot of luxury in that, and it's quite scary. But if it gets the job done, I mean, they were reliable. They got the job done. They did exactly what they needed to do. No frills, and they were inexpensive, and so. Let sold a lot of airplanes. A new model called the L410NG. So the Let L410NG was certified in 2017. And it's still being produced and still flying passengers in airline service throughout the world. Not in the United States or Canada. I was just going to say, is there a reason? Not for any real reason. Just because we have um, stronger, more strong competitors. Gotcha. We just have some other competitors. And we like jet planes more. Yeah, we like jets more. So like Cessna um, is a strong competitor in that segment. But we really like to small jets gotcha. to do our commuting stuff. So we've kind of like... We're bougie. Yeah, we are. We're bougie. <laughs> it doesn't have a cup holder? I'm not in. That's so true. So true. Okay, so the company. Okay, we're talking about a company called Phil Air. You've never heard of Phil Air because Mm-mm. Phil Air was an airline based in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Okay. Okay. 
I couldn't find when it was established. They went out of business shortly after this event in twenty uh, in two thousand ten. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, they operated these L410, tur- the LET410 Turbolet from places that you've probably never heard of either. Nope. Places in the Democratic Republic of Congo and around uh, the area. It's a regional carrier. Their main base was in Kinshasa, and they were a regional carrier to places like, I'm going to say a bunch of places, and I'm probably going to get them wrong. I'm going to nod like I know what you're talking about, but I have no idea. Bandundu, mm-hmm. Bokora, mm-hmm. Boma, yeah. uh, Muandu. Yes. A few other places. Yeah, of course. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean. Who doesn't want to? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think a day trip to Muandu sounds good. <laughs> In a tin can? Yes. So like they would fly for like maybe an hour and a half or two hours and then land at another airport. They would kind of just do a hop route and then they would do it the next day and they would do it the next day. So they kind of use it like a bus. Yeah. And they could make money doing that. So not that big of a deal. This airline is or was on the list of air carriers that are banned in the European Union. However, saying they are specifically banned is not really fair because all airlines regulated by the Democratic Republic of Congo are banned in most Western countries. Really? Yeah. Why? Because the, because the Democratic Republic of Congo doesn't know how to manage it, its aviation safety very well. Gotcha. So they don't really trust the maintenance. They don't really trust the pilot's they just, they're not, they're not the best. They're not up to snuff. Yeah. Western standards. They're mm. not up to snuff. All right, Congo. Yeah, I know. Heard the word. Get with it. I went deeper and I, I really delved deep into fill air. Sorry, I had to burp. Okay. Such a quiet burp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a microphone in my face. I know, which is even more surprising. So it was a company owned by a guy with the last name of Philemont. Philemont makes fill air. Philemont, yeah, he's okay. yeah, he's uh, he's Philair. This is where things get a little sketchy. All African carriers are nothing like carriers in the United States, right? So it's just going to look like a different world if you went and flew over there. Mm-hmm. But this one is really special. This company had had a few issues and other incidents over the years. I just want to show you that they were still flying something called the Vickers Viscount. The in- Vickers Viscount. They okay. stopped flying it in 1998. They had a non-fatal crash. I'm going to show you a picture of the Vickers Viscount. Okay. Okay. As a non-aviation, I'm like, planes are planes. It looks like a plane. Right. The last six of those aircraft were manufactured in 1964. Yeah, that's old. Right. Though the one that they crashed was built in 1956. Send her out to pasture. Yeah, it was time, right? Yeah, she's retired. Hang her jersey. She's ready. One of the pilots who had flown with Mr. Philmont, quote, every time I flew with Mr. Philmont, there was always one incident or another. I didn't want to fly with him anymore. If it wasn't for the fact that we could see where we were going, we wouldn't ever get anywhere because Mr. Philmont couldn't read the instruments. I don't know how Mr. Philmont is still alive. His flying is so bad. Unquote. Oh, man. This is like that guy in the neighborhood that like his prescription needs to be updated. He hasn't been to the DMV in 60 years, and he's just like whipping his little car around the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Gotta go. So this, the same pilot, he also told a relative about how passengers would get up and walk around. They would also stand up when they weren't supposed to stand up. They wouldn't wear seatbelts. It was also commonplace for passengers to take animals on Phil Air's planes, like chickens and livestock, as long as they could hold them in their lap. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you got a, I mean, look. Did they have a service dog or a service animal vest on at that time? Probably not. I mean, yeah, but, I if mean you, but if you had to get your, uh, if you had to get your 
prize pig from Bomo to Idiofa. I mean, how else are you going to get it there? <laughs> I mean, on your lap. Let's talk real turkey here. The reason is the roads aren't very good. Right. So, so this is all our, our alternative. This is the true Airbus. All right, got it. Like if I said, oh, let's drive 250 miles. We'd drive from New York. We'd drive to Albany or we'd drive to Buffalo or whatever. And it would take, you know, five, six hours. And yeah, be like, it's oh, long but durable. Sure, sure. We'd be like, okay, well... In in this situation, right, you're driving across Africa, you're probably talking about a 10-hour trip by a 4 by 4 or more. Plus, the roads are going to be terrible. But there's also danger like... Right. They really relied on these little flights. So we'll take Philmont and his inaccuracy on reading technology in an air yeah. airline and then versus take get our a, risks. Right. Versus getting an AK-47 shoved in our face and have the pig uh, prize pig stolen. <sighs> Can't lose that pig. <laughs> All right, you got any questions about Phil Air so far? No. That no. sounds um, it's like it sounds safe, doesn't it? I mean, that guy sounds really safe. Yeah, I like you know. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. Phil. Yeah. No, I don't I know. Like I, the his name's not his name's not Phil. His name is. Is it Phil Mott? His last name is Phil Mott. Mm-hmm. It's okay, Phil Mott. It's good by me. Oh, he Danny. Does Phil Danny. I didn't know. I, I don't know. I didn't see Danny coming. Captain Danny. Captain Danny. Wasn't Danny from uh, the Pearl Harbor movie as well? He was also a pilot. I feel like he was his name was Dan. Maybe Josh Hartnett's character. I don't know. I'm terrible with movies. Oh, terrible. I love movies. But that's a terrible movie, so don't worry about it. Oh, good, good. Mm-hmm. Danny dies, but he doesn't die. He comes back. Okay, so the crew. Let's yep. talk about the crew. So I don't normally use crew names, but in this case, it's important. Sure. The crew consisted of two pilots: Captain Danny Philemon. He's from Belgium, so he's a Belgian guy. Okay. He's age 62. He has an English first officer. The first officer's name is Chris Wilson. He's age 39. And they have one flight attendant on board. And I could not find their name anywhere. Chris Wilson, he's the first officer. He was from Gloucester. Probably got that wrong. Gloucester. Gloucester Gloucester. sounds reasonable. Gloucester probably, yeah. So he's from Gloucester. uh, Previously been a flight attendant in the European Union. And he, but he always wanted to become a pilot. So mm-hmm. he left being a flight attendant. He decided to be a pilot, but he needed to get some hours to get hired back in the EU. He was hired by Danny Philamont. He needed a thousand hours in airplanes. <laughs> so to, much experience. He <laughs> needed some experience to get a job back in the EU. So he worked for Phil Air. It's worth noting that while on holiday back in the EU, Chris told his brother at one point that he didn't want to return to the DRC and fly for Danny because. Because he was concerned for his safety. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have a guy who is a flight attendant who leaves being a flight attendant and needs hours. So he goes to Philomont for the hours. Do we know if he's even flown a plane at this point? He has. He has some experience in airplanes. Okay. It's not a ton, but he knows how to fly airplanes and he knows how to fly this airplane too. Okay, cool. And there's no record that Chris was a bad pilot. Okay. We can't assume. He didn't have a bad training record. He passed his training. So we can assume that he was at least a C-plus pilot. Okay. He could fly an airplane is, all, is my point. All right. He, and he, had no, he didn't have a good or bad reputation because he was very sort of a young guy. Right, but right. But we already know that he's flying with Captain Danny Philomot, who has a bad reputation for mm-hmm. being a mm-hmm. guy who can't read his own instruments, which is, seems to be fundamental. He already had another crash back in 1998, remember, of that airplane that was built in 1956. Oh, yeah, the non-fatal crash. Six from 57. So he's already crashed airplanes and he's had incidents so all right so let's get back to the let's let's talk about the event you ready yeah okay so it's august 25th 2010 the fill air let 410 turbolet was conducting normal daily operations 
the aircraft was flying what's called a round robin. A round robin is, robin is a series of flights that goes from their base in Kins, uh, Kinshasa to several other cities and then ends the day in Kinshasa. Okay. So it kind of just is, goes in a circle. So on this day, the aircraft was operating round robin domestic flight planes, so not going out of the country. It was stopping in Kiri, Bakuro, Semendawa, and Band. Bandundu. You're looking at me like I'm going to correct you. I'm not yeah, going to no, do I, that. I, I, I hope you... <laughs> can you? No. Okay. On this leg, every seat was full. First Officer Chris Wilson was at the controls. He was the pilot flying. Okay. Uh, it's 1 p.m. local time. Okay. Middle of the day. They are on the final approach, short final, to the airport in Bandundu. And eyewitnesses said they saw the airplane pitch wildly down and back several times. The aircraft then pitched upward violently... And the engines were set to full. Moments later, the aircraft pancaked into a mud and brick house just a few hundred feet from the runway. The occupants of the house were outside at the time and were uninjured. No fire ensued. 20 of the 21 occupants were killed, including Captain Philomot. The flight attendant was killed. And the flying first officer, Chris Wilson, he was killed. There was a survivor. Tell me it's Danny Philomot. No, the survivor was a passenger, but he would spend months in a coma. Oh. So there you go. There's your there's your tragedy for today. Oh man, the word pancake and airplane should never be in the same sentence. No, I, I totally agree with you. In so, a mud hut. So the weird part is that the airplane was just on final, and then the eyewitnesses said that it was just going normally, and then it started to pitch wildly up and down, nose up Did and nose down. Did a spider crawl in his lap? We're getting there. And then it pitched violently upward. The engines were set to full power, so you could hear the airplane, you know, apply power. And then the airplane just kind of pancakes in. And we're talking a few hundred feet from the end of the runway. So it's really close to the runway. So the DRC investigates the incident. Some experts from the UK got involved because Chris's dad had some clout in Gloucester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially, they thought the airplane had run out of fuel. Then they ruled that out. There was enough fuel in the airplane. If the airplane was running out of fuel, it would buck that wildly and erratically? No. Okay. No. So initially, they suspected that it ran out of fuel and just kind of, and they stalled, which means they kind of pitched up and the air stopped flowing over the wings, so it stopped flying. That's what they thought, but then they realized that there was enough fuel okay. um, at the scene. They thought that it may have another mechanical issue. That was briefly suspected, but then it was ruled out because a, an expert crash investigator from the UK found no mechanical problems with the airplane. They do an after-crash inspection, and they look for cracks, and they look for unusual anomalies and things that... Yeah, like abnormalities. That, that, that couldn't have happened from the accident, right? right? They found nothing wrong with the airplane. Airplane sound. Okay. Yeah. So the Democratic Republic of Congo, the government, they refused to turn over the cockpit voice recorder, which is the key component. Oh, yeah. Even though the aircraft had one, but they refused <gasps> to turn it over. As a result of lack of cooperation from the Congolese government, uh, the accident cause remained unknown. But then... Yeah, but then. Then he woke up. <gasps> the coma guy? Yes! Yeah, he woke up. Oh, man. Didn't expect that one, did you? <laughs> All right, so once he was lucid, the sole survivor was interviewed. Here's what he said. Okay. He said that a man with a large duffel bag was seated in the very back cabin of the flight. A man with a large duffel bag was in the back of the cabin of the flight. Okay, so he's in the copy. very back. He remembers the duffel bag looked very heavy as he carried it on. How many pigs were in there? Then he recalled that shortly before touchdown, the flight attendant 
had run from the back of the airplane screaming as if being chased. Panicked passengers left their seats and they followed her and crowded in the front few rows of the airplane. (laughs) The survivor then said, a small crocodile, estimated at four feet long, had escaped from the duffel bag. Oh my God! And was heading toward the front. No! (laughs) Stop it! Yep. I can't believe that thing was in a duffel bag the whole day. Or maybe he just hopped on at the last stop. But what? I feel like he was either in the duffel bag, like taped or something or tied. And then... And he couldn't hold it together for like um, a minute longer. Just a minute longer. Just had to weasel he, his way right he out. He took it. So the sudden weight shift had caused the loaded aircraft, yeah, right? Every totally. seat. The sudden weight shift had caused the loaded aircraft to pitch violently forward. Okay. Now this is where I have to assume what happens. Okay. This is where this is where my knowledge as a pilot comes in. Right, right. And I have to say where I'm gonna take some editorial leeway and tell you most likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't have the C V R. So Chris responded when the airplane pitched forward. He attempted to pull the nose backwards. Okay. He either over controlled the airplane and heaved the nose up too high, or he pulled back and he couldn't get the nose up. It's one or the other, and the aircraft began to stall, which means it gets so much drag that it's sl- so slow that it basically you have to keep air going over the wing or the airplane stops flying and falls out of the sky. So that's sort of the violent pitch. But that would bring the nose of the plane up. It would bring the nose of the plane up, but then the airflow would break over the wing and you wouldn't be able to continue flying, which would then pitch the nose pitch down. down. And then if you continue to pull, it, that is consistent with the, the pancake. They're kind of flopped into the ground. Okay, The aircraft was basically out of balance and unflyable. We don't like I said, we don't know if Chris overreacted and stalled the plane or I mean or he just couldn't. You got control a crocodile it. on a plane and every passenger running your way. I mean Right, and right, and mo- and all the passengers, nineteen of them in the back are running to the front. So and this is a relatively small plane. So an overreaction is totally noted and I could see it. Right. Basically it's called a center of gravity shift, normally over the center of the wing. But in this case, if you take that and you move it too far forward or too far backward, the airplane can't fly. And that's what happened. It got moved too far forward. So at first, the Democratic Republic of Congo refused to believe that that was really the case. And the UK investigators, they cast out as well. Then one of the locals came up with shaky digital cell phone (gasps) video and it emerged 2010 flip phone, the razor came in high. Absolutely. And during the the rescue effort, they saw an approximately four foot long crocodile emerge from the wreckage. Stop it. It was killed by a civilian with a machete. Oh, that makes me so sad, though. That G deserves to walk out of that plane crash. Oh, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Oh, my God. And I love that that didn't need to be noted. They're like, don't worry. There was this horrific crash. A crocodile comes out. We killed it with a machete. But you don't need to know that. Nobody needs to know that. It's okay. It's totally It was just normal. a local that came up with like the shaky cell phone video. And like you said, 2010, that would have been like a razor, like a flip phone. Yeah. I have some old video and some old like pictures, you know, from those phones. And they are literally like 320 by 400 pixels. So they're tiny. Oh my God. So it's it just gets crazier, right? But I also I just want to point out that there's some irony here, right? First, it's so Africa they killed the croc with a machete. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who else does that? Like that's the most African safari thing to do is kill a crocodile with a machete. What'd you do today? I killed a crocodile with a machete at a plane crash site. Yeah, then I went to dinner 
It was right, awesome. exactly. It was, it was awesome. Uh, that that's a day in the life of somebody in the Democratic Republic of Congo. <laughs> okay, but second, I want to point out something really fucking ironic. Captain Danny Philemon. Yeah. All that time, he was such a shitty pilot, and today he was not flying and ultimately killed. You're right. You're right. And he had the responsible young buck behind the wheel, right. and he goes down with the plane. I almost thought he was gonna live though. He was renowned for being such a terrible pilot, but. That's just not what got him. That's sort of like being the worst driver in the world and being like, oh, I'm just going to go ride to the store with my aunt. And then she crashes. Yeah, you drive. Right, you drive. And then you get hit by a Mack truck. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I just find it aw- aw- awesomely ironic. Okay, can you tell me how large the crocodile was again? Four feet long. Four feet. What did that duffel bag look like? And did it move? That... Did he throw any meat in there like during the flight? I really believe that. The crocodile was probably taped or tied up, because uh, they can tape. They normally will tape the mouth yeah, the of the snout. crocodile. Yeah, this is where Pancake it gets conspiracy-ish. Crocodiles, okay, gotcha. They never released the cockpit voice recording, oh, that's so crazy. we still, to this day, we still don't know why. They just never did. I want to know. I want to know too. They never released it. That's so shady. At this point, we already know that a crocodile took down the plane, and some crazy shit happened. Like, yep. You yeah. could get some voice audio in there. That'd be really nice. So Phil Air went out went out of business a few months after that. It's a bummer. Yeah. All right. So what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> That's wacky. That's a wacky aviation world I mean, story. It's the American way where I'm like, why didn't we have a resurgence of like bringing this Phil Air back and turning it into entertainment? Or you're like, <laughs> it's a gamble if you're gonna have the flight with the crocodile on it. <laughs> It sounds like a good. Um, it sounds like a good app. It's like, yeah. Do you get the crocodile this time? And and, right. and if like you do, do you live? Right, like it's your new Candy Crush. It's like oh, exactly. Yeah, okay. Oh, I got the croc. Quick, quick, oh, quick, 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 quick. Oh, <laughs> oh I man, anyway. I crashed. Pancaked in. <laughs> All right. Um, it's fairly unbelievable, but I like that you told me in advance that like pigs and chickens, and it's like you know I'm expecting that to play into it. I did not see a crocodile. Yeah, I didn't see a crocodile happen. I want to know when the crocodile got on the flight. Like, did he run the round robin that day? And was he on each and every stop? So that's what we don't know. We know that the airplane came from someplace, some other place you don't know. It came from, so it came from Semondois and went to Bandundu. So I'm guessing that the crocodile probably got on in Semondois. But it could have gotten on in Kinshasa, Kiri, or Bokora, because those are like the stops before. And and, the, and was even, the crocodile getting off? I mean, or were they going on to Kinshasa? We don't we don't have those answers. Right? Had the crocodile flown before? Do we know if he was a frequent flyer? I mean, do you travel with crocodiles often, and they've worked out in your favor, and there's never been an issue? Well, what we do know about that, and I'm glad you bring that up. What we do know is that wildlife smuggling and sales mm-hmm. is a thing. Oh, totally. So we totally know that's a thing. So that's kind of where we have to be like. Okay, so maybe the guy was just smuggling to sell. Probably, and that's probably yeah. what we can assume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they also eat alligator crocodile. And so that's another option as well. So he was either selling it or just going to market. But, I mean, he was going to make money on it. Well, I believe that's that 100%. That's the assumption. Yeah. Has he flown pet. with other crocodiles, though? I'm wondering. Uh, we, I mean, I would guess Yes. Because he knew that He's this probably a crocodile in particular, dealer. yeah, yeah, that he could get away that with it. That he could get away with it on this airline in particular. So Phil Air was known for that. And how many times has he flown successfully with the crocodile? Right. That he's like, oh shit, I don't know how he got out this time. It usually works out just fine. Well, he died too. Well, I'm sure of it. <laughs> I, uh, seeing <laughs> he was that we only had the one coma Just victim. the one survivor. I did not see that coming. So you want to talk about now? 
Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about now. So now um, hopefully, we have a lot more regulations on crocodiles that are flying. Well, we have regulations on transporting and importing and exporting, like... So we're not offering identification to the crocodiles to make sure they're fit to fly. Well, I don't know if they could be an emotional support crocodile. <sighs> Probably not. But let's let's go over this. So let's okay. talk about carry-on bags and crazy stuff that people um, have tried to carry on. Mm-hmm. So the TSA catches lots and lots of things that people put in their bags, right? It includes like demilitarized gear like grenades and guns and grenade launchers. Some of it's like vintage stuff. Some of it's replica. People try to fly with swords, knives, rebar, scissors, nail guns. You get the idea. They're of that not stuff. even trying to check the bag. They're literally no. Just they're like, just literally cool. just like, oh yeah, on. it's cool. So the TSA finds guns on a regular basis. The TSA found roughly six guns per million people. That's what they find. Normally about six guns per million. Oddly though, in July 2020, to it's up to just over 15.3 guns per million. Almost three times higher during what? COVID. I don't know why. Just thought it was an interesting thing to throw in there. That is interesting. But we're not going to talk about that stuff. Let's talk about the crazy stuff, like the really wacky shit, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. Li- wildlife and animals and stuff. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of rapid fire, and I just want your, I just, just get your organic reaction on this. Yeah. So in July uh, 2019, a passenger flying from Miami to, the bar- to uh, Barbados put a live snake in her checked luggage. She thought that she could get away with sneaking a python onto the plane by putting it in a stocking and then putting it in a computer case. And the TSA detected a large organic mass inside the computer. Mm-hmm. When it went through the x-ray, they thought it was drugs. Um, they found that it was a snake. Just a python. Not just a snake. It's a python. It's a python, which seems odd because I think you can get those like lots of places. and oh, maybe not totally. in, But maybe not in Barbados. And that might be the point. <sighs> Okay, so Python in the computer case, in the suitcase. I know nothing about how snakes live, but I'm sure he wasn't comfortable. Probably not comfortable. And he's stuffed in a stocking, right? Yeah, right, right. right. January 2018, a support peacock was barred from boarding a United Airlines flight. She bought an extra seat for the animal, but was told three times before she came to the airport that the peacock would not be allowed to take the flight. That's shenanigans. No. She showed up anyway. And she sued United Airlines. The case was dropped. They told her, even though she bought a seat for the peacock, they were like... They told you in advance, but still. They were like, you can't bring a peacock on. And she was like, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Anyway, they said, no, you can't get on with that. And then she tried to sue, but they were like, the judges threw it out. I love that it's a support peacock. Like, what support are you getting from the peacock? Pretty. It's It's pretty support. That's the only thing I could figure. It's quite gorgeous. Was it male or female? That's a good question. It, It didn't say. Because those male ones are really the pretty ones, right? The females don't get as much love. Yeah. Agreed. That's amazing. But hey, she bought the extra seat for it, so why not? Okay, so in January um, in January 2020, Customs found a package of tiny dead birds in a passenger's <gasps> luggage at the Washington Dulles Airport. The traveler arrived at Dulles after a flight from Beijing. The package contained 50 or so dead birds. They were about three inches long. They were in a container labeled cat food. <laughs> I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. I just hope it's fresh. That's terrible. And I love that you're like, oh, January 2020. I'm like, do you mean six months ago? Because yeah, six, yeah you right. know, of yeah. course. Okay, so these are all recent stuff. I didn't want to like look too back too far. So May 2019. Okay. A Canadian citizen was fined $15,000 after he smuggled thousands of live leeches into Toronto, Canada. He said it was this, that the species of leech was a permitted species 
And the truth is, it was not. Okay, so I don't, I don't, I don't even want to know. Uh, how did he transport them exactly? Because he was successful. Yeah, he brought them in and they found them when he was inbound. He had already landed in Toronto. Oh, and, and was, they were in his carry-on or they his were like, checked Yeah, luggage? they were in his check bag. And then how did they find them when they'd already landed? They so the, So I don't know if you know, but what happens with customs is... Customs scans you, kind of scans you in, bef- and, in and, and out. out. Gotcha. Yeah, in and out. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a, in a second, but let's go on to the next one. October 2018, a woman was escorted off of her Frontier Airlines flight after bringing her emotional support squirrel on board. This sounds reasonable to me. The airline says that their policy did not allow rodents as emotional support animals. Well, you don't have to be rude about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, December 2018, a Colorado college student was forced to abandon her pet fish <gasps> before boarding a Southwest Airlines flight. Apparently, you're not allowed to bring a betta onto Southwest Airlines flight. Aww. The airport crew took care of the fish on the pedestal Premises. platform right there, and she picked up the fish when she returned. Oh, I'm so happy about that. <laughs> that really what nice. a great community. That was really nice. Of the beta fish was like, hey, mom, hope you had a good trip. It was great here. They took care of me really well. Let's go home. Exactly. Adorable. I love it. So here's, here's an interesting one. Two passengers on Fly Dubai, which is an airline obviously based in the UAE, they brought three Falcons on board <gasps> during a flight from Tajikistan to Dubai. Customers complained, and the airline said in a, in an official statement, quote, please note that falcons are important to the culture of the UAE, and we regularly welcome our feathered friends on board, unquote. <gasps> yes. So that was yes. kind of cool, right? More of that. Yeah. I love it. January 2019, a man from Singapore tried to smuggle four kittens hidden Aww. in his pants from Malaysia. <laughs> I can't with this. But the meows gave him away. Oh! Of course they did, <laughs> sir. Are your pants meowing? Yeah, you interested? Importation of animals into Singapore without a license is illegal. It carries oh. a maximum penalty of $10,000 fine and or imprisonment up to a year. Oh my gosh. I hope he didn't get any of that and they just slapped him on the wrist like, sir, you can't bring kittens in your pants. Uh, it didn't say that he was charged. Good. Uh, March 2019, a passenger traveling from Hong Kong tried to smuggle over 1,500 exotic live baby turtles into the Philippines. (gasps) Turtles! Now, this passenger specifically had in mind to sell them. They would have been worth about $87,000. Oh, shit. The man was caught. The turtles were rescued. And uh, the man was imprisoned. Good. At least briefly. You have to love the turtles. It's not for profit, man. Wow. February 2018, a college student who says... This is this is a hard one, right? Um, a college student who says she was assured she could fly home with her emotional support hamster okay. on Spirit Airlines says when she got to the airport, she was told to, quote, flush it down the toilet. <gasps> Stop it. Of course Spirit would say that. <laughs> Thank you, Spirit. Oh, God. She says, quote, it was horrible. I sat in the stall for about 15 minutes and just cried and cried, unquote. Spirit acknowledged that that an employee did incorrectly tell her that the hamster could accompany her. So she was told that she could fly with the hamster. But Spirit vehemently denies that one of um, its employees told her to flush it. You know they did. It's Spirit. Of course they told you to flush it. You know they did. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Hopefully she didn't. The hamster was okay. Thank goodness. Okay. Mr. Jingles will live. (laughs) (laughs) Right. December 2018, a passenger flying into JFK was caught trying to smuggle 70... 7070 live birds from Georgetown, Guyana. Stop it. A, a Customs and Border Protection beagle found the finches oh. hidden inside green and orange hair rollers 
in the duffel bag. So essentially they took the birds, they carefully inserted them into little rolls and they put a nylon over top of them and they tried to smuggle them on the, in their carry-on in, oh, du- that, in a duffel bag. And birds on a plane and 70 of them, they were only bringing that many because so many are going to die. And right. only X amount are going to survive. That is right. awful. So this is what you said before. So I want to just note Customs Border Protection, Customs and Border Protection, Beagle. So when you are walking out of an international flight, you will see these cute beagles and an officer just walking the beagle around. And it's a little cute beagle. And all he does is he walks by you and he sniffs your bag. And then he just keeps going. This has to be the greatest job for a beagle. And he'll stop and he'll like sniff your bag if there's food in there if there's animals if there's other wildlife he he the beagle yeah. knows and so he's been trained to find he's not like a drug dog necessarily right right he's like an agricultural dog that oh. he finds like fruit and cheese and meat and <gasps> birds and wildlife and stuff wow, like that so you're right that is the ideal job for a beagle right that, that beagle probably goes home at the end of the day and it's like oh, i can't wait to go back tomorrow i, I get to smell so wait. much stuff. dad i found six bricks of cheese today it was exactly awesome. it was amazing uh december 2018 a u.s another u.s customs beagle found a live giant african millipede hidden ew, in a suitcase ew. <laughs> customs and border protection collect the six inch insect from inside the suitcase of a couple that had just traveled from Johannesburg, right? Did they know it was there? They came from Johannesburg. They were on their way to South Carolina. The couple was glad to be rid of the hitchhiker. <gasps> ew! They ew, did not ew, know it was ew, there. Ew. Oh my God, that's so fucking gross. Yeah. So just a couple more of these and then we'll be done. Uh, December 2018, a man was caught sneaking a live snake into the Berlin airport before a flight to Israel. The man was stopped at the, sec- at the security checkpoint because employees noticed that he, quote carried something in his pants that did not belong there. Ooh. That's a new definition for a snake. That's fantastic. <laughs> Sir, I'm going to need you to come aside here. Yeah, just got to check your pants real quick. Exactly. What is that in your pants? We're going to find out. We're about to. <laughs> All right. February 2019, customs officials in India stopped a man trying to smuggle a one-month-old leopard cub through Ooh. the um, through the Chennai airport. The animal was discovered in his checked bags. Oh, my God. So what a little was he going to t- do in there? I'm sure he was going to sell the cup, you know. I know. They're expen- I just they're meant what's the cup so. going to do in the oh, check bag on the flight. I always feel bad about that. Ugh. All right. Last but not least, okay. a German man tried to sm- tried to smuggle three Moroccan tortoises okay. that he had disguised as chocolates <gasps> in a pastry box back into Berlin. <laughs> what did those look like? Um, they actually kind of look like uh, chocolate. Honestly, chocolate turtles. I think he may have painted them or put something on top of them, maybe chocolate. And, and just hope and they kept didn't move them in a box that w- that looked like it had been cut, and it said chocolate turtles or something crazy. That's um, wild. I think this man was probably not a first time offender. He was fined fifty thousand euros. Oh, good. But he was not sentenced to jail, although okay. he could have gotten up to five years. Oh wow! But fifty thousand, absolutely, dude. Especially because, like you said, this is not his probably not his first time. Yes, and it, honestly, he's just they're just doing it for profit. This isn't like. This isn't like a little kid who was like, oh, I brought this iguana from, this baby iguana from, you know, right. the islands to raise. Right. We're not talking about like that kind of person. We're talking about people that do this, that do this right. wild, you know, they, they're they selling wildlife. That's crazy. Illegally smuggling and selling wildlife. Abuse. So, right. So that's all I have. Okay. What do you think? What do you think about the episode? I loved it. I appreciate having you here. Um, Thank you so much It's fantastic. And we're going to do it again. I always tell my sources. Now, in this case... I'm going to post a screenshot of my sources to my Instagram page because there are 
so many. Gotcha. I used like there's like a page of sources. Like, I mean, it took me a lot a long time to compile this. Also, um, the information about Phil Air and the information that came from like oh, so many different sources. I had to look at some some publications from DRC, some from the UK, a lot from uh, Gloucester, mm-hmm. right? So a lot from Gloucester. So there was a whole page yeah, yeah. of things just to put the Phil Air story together. Totally. The other one was pretty easy, but I thought I would finish with those. Oh, I loved it. I love rapid fire finding out what's in people's grab. Cool, cool. So mm-hmm. we're going to do it again soon. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me.